Can we read a few verses? We've got to the 11th chapter of John. Uh, and really what happens in the next few chapters happens over a very few days. Well, the bulk of it. You remember that the Lord Jesus, uh, when they were threatening to stone him at the end of the healing of the, bl- uh, the man's blind eyes episode, you remember that he went off at the end of chapter 10 the verse 39 they again had tried to arrest him but Jesus managed to get away from them and he backed off so it's chapter 10 verse 40 he went off once more across Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at the beginning so where he begun his public ministry he backed off led them, left them to their intensifying hatred and as he dwelt there uh, several people came to him and they believed on him John never did any signs they said but everything John said about this man was true and many believed in him there and that brings us to chapter 11 and I hope that we could just read the first few ver- ooh, 44 verses we'll see and I don't know how far we'll get um, now so that, that's where he is he's out there in Perea uh, just a word this place Bethany um, is a two day walk sorry a, one, a full one day walk about 30 kilometers from Jerusalem uh, place we're going to hear about and it, it still exists incidentally just for interest sake it's the large the second largest palestinian town in the west bank you know the israel they got jerusalem there's east jerusalem but not counting east jerusalem under palestinian administration the modern bethany is the second largest town uh, about eighteen thousand inhabitants the interesting thing is that it has now an arabic name it means the place of Lazarus so that's our story today Uh, our passage today is the resurrection of Lazarus Um, I don't know how far we'll get we'll see and then the consequences the results, what it meant Um, it's very inconvenient to have a man who you have denounced as not being from God going around healing or raising dead people very inconvenient and it led directly to his uh, infamous assassination uh, judicial assassination if you like uh, so that's the, the Bethany place it's, his modern name is the place of Lazarus that's what the Arabs call it there was a, now there was a man in Bethany named Lazarus and he became ill Bethany was the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. This was the Mary who anointed the Lord with myrrh and wiped his feet with her hair. Lazarus, who was ill, was her brother. So there's a suggestion there by the writer that the people already knew that Mary from the other gospel accounts. Remember the synoptic gospels have been around in circulation for about uh, 30 years at the time of writing. So John's clarifying that that's the one. Um, That Mary. And you may, well, it seems from the text that Martha was the older uh, and the senior sister. She was the one in charge of the household. Remember in Luke 10, 
Uh, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Lord, make her help me. Can't you see I'm rushed off my feet? Tell her to help me. She was in charge of all the housework. She's mentioned later in the chapter first, Lazarus and Martha and Mary. Fair enough? So we we, we assume it's, it's, it's fairly obvious that she was the older sister. But here, Mary is mentioned first. And you may remember back to um, the Matthew account of that anointing in Bethany. That it happens after our events. But you may remember back that wherever this deed is spoken of, you will be remembered, Mary. Do you remember that? So she's got the uh, superordinacy here. Uh, Lazarus was the one who was going to be raised from the dead. But it was Mary who was uh, getting the reference here. Now that was the that was the Mary, Martha and Mary's house. Now that was the Mary that did that. Do you remember? They already knew about it. He was pointing out who it was. Okay. So the sisters. So he was ill. Verse three. So the sisters sent messengers to Jesus. Master, they said, the man you love is ill. When Jesus got the message, he said. Illness, this illness, won't lead to death. It's all about the glory of God. The Son of God will be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was ill, he stayed there. He, true, he stayed where he was. And I put in an extra word. Uh, it's a bit a lot of discussion as to what was happening here so I'm giving you an interpretation here it is, we're putting in an extra word so when he heard true, he stayed where he was for two days uh, but, th- but then verse 7, after that he said to his disciples let's go back to where? to Bethany? it's not the word he uses let's go back to Judea I think we might have to slow it down and rather than read the whole passage um, trip up along the way okay first thing um, have we heard something like that before verse 4 this illness won't lead to death it's all about the glory of God the son of God will be glorified through it and your answer is yes we have heard something like that before um when the man whose eyes were closed were opened. Chapter 9, verse 3, verse 2. Teacher asked the disciples, whose sin was it that caused this man to be born blind? Did he sin or did his parents? Verse 3. He didn't sin, replied Jesus, nor did his parents. It happened so that God's works could be seen in him. Ah we've been there before but here it's a bit more emphasised yeah and the miracle the sign was of another magnitude was it not Um, the cakes of mud on blind eyes a man who was decomposing raised from the dead okay so Jesus said back in our chapter 11 this illness won't lead to death now, it's all about the glory of God. The Son of God will be glorified through it. Uh, 
So it sounds as if Jesus could already foresee what was going to happen. But we shouldn't be surprised, because he told us repeatedly that he says the things he hears from the Father, and he does only the things that the Father shows him. He wasn't a lone agent. He didn't decide this, that, and the other. So at the time of hearing the message, the message for the messenger, we kind of got to think that he was at the same time hearing his Father's voice saying, this is what's going to happen. And Jesus was able to say, not, it wasn't conjecture, it was certainty he was hearing from the Father. It's not going to end in death, but God's going to be glorified, and the Son of Man will be glorified through it. He, his name was not, his name had been brought into disrepute, hadn't it? He heals on the Sabbath. He's not of God, he's of the devil. So by the Pharisees, his reputation was being challenged. And they took the fine, the beautiful works, the works that spoke about the Father, and they were turning them against him. And we'll see later on that here was an opportunity. The Lord loved them right up to the end to turn that around and to give them cause to believe. This wasn't a Sabbath work, so they couldn't bring that against him. And here was something that he announced beforehand. And he got them all listening, and he prayed. Um, and he said, I thank you, Father, that you always hear me. And I'm not saying these... I'm not saying this... We're coming later in the chapter. But for these people, it was like a challenge. If God's working in me, then Lazarus is going to come out of there. And if he's not, then all that you've said about me is right. I'm an imposter. Uh, how he loved them. Up to the end. We're coming up within a few days of the Passover, within a few days of the crucifixion, and still he was desiring to give them every opportunity, every reason. And the Son was going to be glorified. The Father will be glorified. And he said the Son will be glorified. He needs to be glorified so that hearts should be convinced and hearts should turn to him and hearts should turn from their idolatry, their idolatrous notions of Jewish supremacy, idolatrous notions of um, mess messianic marvel in Israel. Turn from it and embrace him. The Son of Man should be glorified. So, um, now Jesus loved Martha. And yet when he, when he heard he was there, he did stay there two years. But after that, let's go back to, and it doesn't say Bethany. Now the story begins with the man living in Bethany was sick. He said, let's go back to Judea. He dropped the bombshell. Why? Well, the, the, here's the reason. He, he, he foresaw the disciples' reaction. Here was their reaction. Verse 8. Teacher, replied the disciples, the Judeans were trying to stone you just now. Surely you don't want to go back there. They were frightened of going back. They got off with him. Jesus went off in faith. They, it seems, went off um, and were quite pleased to get out of the hot seat. They were trying to stone Jesus. What would happen to them? If they stoned the master, what are they going to do to us? And here's their response. And Jesus precipitated the very thing that he knew was in their heart and dealt with it so so that he could deal with it 
before they went. Let's go back to Judea. And they said, what? Judea? No way. They're trying to kill you. You don't want to go there. So he flushes it out. And here's how he deals with it. Sure, you don't want to go back there. Verse 9. There are twelve hours in the day, aren't there? Replied, the, replied Jesus. If you walk in the day, you won't trip up. Because you see the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, they will trip up. Because there's no light in them. When he'd said this, Jesus added, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I'm going to wake him up. So, on the one hand, on the, uh, at, the first po- at the first point, the first reading, it sounds quite natural. You walk in the day, you don't trip up because you see the light of the world. But if you walk at night, you trip up. Yeah, 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 that's obvious. Because there's no light in them. And so we have a typical Jesus um, present meaning and spiritual meaning. Um, it was morning. The, the messengers had arrived. It was morning. They had a 12 hour, sorry, the, they'd waited two days. It was morning of the next day, and they're about to set out on their journey. It was about a 12 hour journey. I used to walk to work um, four and a half kilometers in 31 minutes, but that was flat roads, and I was pushing it. We're talking about rough roads. We're talking about folk who've got to keep doing it all day. And we're talking about incline and decline. So, you know, you might be talking about a 12-hour journey from Perea to... Other way around. From Perea to just to the east of Jerusalem. Bethany, the place of Lazarus. We've got 12 hours. Actually, look, you can't walk, we're used to street lights, but if you've got rough roads, um, not made up, they weren't graded, they didn't have graders, they had rough roads, I guess there'd have been pots and there'd have been um, stones, you wouldn't chance it going on a journey at night, um, would you? You stumble, you turn your, uh, you'll twist your ankle on a, a hole or a, a bit of rock on the road, you can't do it. 12 hours of walking. But so that's fine, that's obvious but there's another level of meaning isn't there? there are 12 hours of the day uh, we've got 12 hours we've got a day we've got a lifetime to walk in obedience no point in trying to extend that there's light from the sun from the outside and we would think that there is a better and surer and more important light from inside from the light of the Father showing us the way walking in the light of obedience to God we've got to do that let's not try and prolong put 13 hours in there because I don't want to go and get killed in Judea let's not try and do that I'm suggesting this is how we can understand much, much discussion as to how those verses should be understood. So here's a suggestion as to it seems to hang together together quite well to me. Um, because if you walk in the night, you're going to trip up because there's no light in you. If we walk outside the Father's will, so there's only one thing for it is to walk 
in obedience to the light of the Father. Walk in obedience to God and take the consequences. Jesus knew where he was going. He was having to get the disciples used to the idea that you can't not do the right thing out of cowardice. They perceived there was a threat. Jesus knew it was going to be the end of his, his earthly ministry. He was going to the cross. And, but if I don't walk in the light, I'll stumble. Because there'll be no light in me. Does that seem to hang together to you? You've got 12 hours uh, of day to walk? Fine. And it's like having a lifetime of God's appointed things for us. We've got to do them. Don't try and step back to prolong your life and end up in darkness. It sounds very like, yeah, shall we read it? It sounds very like 1 John. Um, if, you're, if you love your brother, you'll walk in the light. But if you hate your brother, you'll walk in darkness. And here was Jesus loving Lazarus uh, to go and wake him up. Walking in the light and taking the consequences. And so it's a good um, reminder for us that we've got to do the will of the Father. We've got to do our thing, what it, be obedient to what he's giving us to do and leave the rest to him. Uh, does it mean that we are rescued? Thank you, Lord. Does it mean that you're sawn asunder? Remember Hebrews 11? Some, of, some people who walked in faith weren't rescued. Some of them defeated lions. Some of them put armies to flight. And some of them were sawn in half. Not my business. Not your business. To try and foresee the result or make a plan that's going to accommodate the end result. What's our business? Walk in the light. Walk in obedience to the Father. Let Him decide. Let Him do it. Be His servants. All the decision making then is rolled under Him. And we can emulate Jesus in that. We can say the things we hear from Him and do the things He shows us. Uh, and all concept of self-preservation and cowardice and working things to our advantage, we can leave aside and say, Lord, the only advantage I want is the blessing of being obedient to you. The blessing of knowing that I've pleased you. Uh, that's how Jesus lived, and that's how we're called to live, and by the grace of God, how we're learning to live now. Fair enough? Uh, if anyone walks in the night without this obedience of light of obedience, they'll trip up because there's no light in them. So he addresses this terror they have of going back to face the angry Jews in um, Jerusalem. Verse 11. When he had said this, Jesus added, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. Master, replied the disciples, if he's asleep, he'll be all right. They're still looking for a bit of an excuse not to go. That's fine, he's asleep. They thought he was referring to ordinary sleep, but Jesus had in fact been speaking of his death. Then Jesus spoke to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Actually, I'm glad I wasn't there for your sakes. It will help your faith, but let's go to him. 
Thomas, whose name was the twin, addressed the other disciples. So it's such a Thomas thing to say, isn't it? No, I'm not to believe he's risen from the dead. He wasn't good at putting the sense of the, the invisible above the visible. Oh, I know what I can see. No, he can't be risen from the dead. I'm not going to believe until I reach out and put my hands at his side. No, I'm not going to believe. That was Thomas later on. You remember him, don't you? And here he was, being Thomas here. Uh, he didn't see beyond. He said, but, good, on, good old Thomas, he said, well, if he's going to die, we might as well die with him. We're up for it. Um, a level of faith, but he didn't put the invisible things, he couldn't see the invisible things, yet above the visible that's alright, the Lord can cope with that he can cope with you and me and grant us that we should ultimately live better by the things that are unseen um, because this is a very Thomas thing to say wasn't it Okay, good old Thomas uh, the Lord loves him loved him <laughs> Um, it's lovely I think how the Lord copes with all these different people and his object for them is the same to bless them in leading them to greater faith that's exactly what we see with dear Martha let's have a quick look um, sleep and death well, look, we're not going to go back over old ground but oh, we better read on no we can't uh, Jesus was portraying death as just another phase of life. And he says that to Martha. He said, if you believe on me, you'll never die. Huh? How does that work? Because, he said, he that dies will live. We'll, we'll have a look at it. But if you believe on him, it means that you live to him while you've got breath in your body. And when the breath leaves your body... What do you do? You carry on living to him. No difference. So, the concept of death to the Lord Jesus is just another phase of life. He can bring it to an end just like that. He talks about this to Martha. Why? Because he's life. Um, He's the resurrection. We'll come on to it. Okay. So, let's go verse 16 we may as well go and die with him. So, when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb. There's something I omitted to observe with you. Jesus spoke to them plainly, Lazarus, he said, is dead. The messengers hadn't said that, had they? They'd said, "Um, he's sick. There's no information... I suggest to you that was um, a revelation, that was supernatural knowledge that the Father had shown him. He's gone. Uh, We don't read of any fresh messengers having arrived to say, the first message was he's sick, the second message, well there wasn't one. So it's quite in order for us to assume that the Lord Jesus knew by revelation from the Father that Lazarus was dead. He told them plainly. Uh, now let's go and wake him up. And I'm glad I wasn't there for your sakes. It will help your faith. Let's go to him. 
Verse 17. So when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, um, three kilometers away. Many of the Judeans, so, three kilometers, that's from here up to probably the beginning of where Ben and Beth used to live. Is that about three K or is that four? Not far. 45 minute walk on rough roads. Okay. Um, Many of the Judeans, ah, the Judeans, hang on, Jerusalem, Judeans, stone him. Many of the Judeans. So the, Mary and Martha and Lazarus were friends of Jesus. They'd, accept, they'd received Jesus. Uh, but they were still Jews from Jerusalem. And they were interconnected with and in the community of the Jerusalem Jews, among whom were the ones who were out to murder Jesus. Interesting. So there wasn't um, necessarily a division yet. So in the mix, there were those who loved the Lord, and in the mix, because of the part of the community they were, because they were part of that community, there were those Jews who were out to kill him. Four days he'd been in the grave. Now let me see. Uh, let us think. Day four, Jesus arrived. That was the day that we started that conversation. That's day four. Jesus arrived, he'd been in the grave four days. So that was the day that Jesus journeyed. Days two and three, well, they were the days that um, Jesus waited. He yet remained there two days. And the next day, day four, he journeyed. He went, he walked in the morning, got there in the evening. When he got there, he found he'd been in the grave four days. And so the fourth, sorry, the f- one, two, three, four, the fourth day was the day the messengers arrived. Now the messenger would have arrived, what do we say, a 10, 12 hour journey? They'd have set off at the, on, in the morning of that day. So in the evening of day one, Jesus got the news, and between the messenger leaving and the messenger arriving, Lazarus had died. How do we know this? Well, he was in, he'd been in the grave four days. That's it. So by the time Jesus got the message, Lazarus is sick, Lazarus was already dead and about to be buried. Because the Jewish tradition was to, to bury the dead in the day that they died. Because it was hot. And they corrupted. Interesting. Do you think? It's not that he died during that two-day wait. That's, that's a silly and a wrong interpretation. That, oh, I, I waited here so that he could die, so that I could go and raise him from the dead, so you would believe in me. No, that's not what Jesus was doing. Lazarus was dead by the time Jesus got the news, and still he didn't go. And he was glad that he wasn't there to raise him, uh, to heal him, so that the disciples could witness the resurrection. Their, their, their faith was coming in for a challenge. They were, they'd given their lives to this Christ, and they were going to see him crucified. All their notions of a triumphant Messiah would be challenged, wouldn't they? 
their faith was going to need help. And in these next chapters, Jesus deliberately encourages, builds, and brings to fruition their faith. Because it's coming this time when he wasn't going to be there. A period of time when Jesus wasn't going to be with them, the world was going to be against them, and the Holy Ghost hadn't yet come. A danger period. So he says, I'm glad. But he, he wasn't manipulating things. By the time he got the news, Lazarus was already dead. It wasn't that he waited two days so that he could die. So we can forget that. It doesn't fit with the chronology. Alright? Anyway. Um, that would be silly, I think. To say, oh, I'm going to let them die so I can raise them up. Just so that you guys can come to faith. No, no, no. Okay. When Martha, whoops, Bethany was, verse 18, was near Jerusalem, about two hours, many of the Jews from Jerusalem, just a 45 minute walk, had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. They were still part of this community, among whom were folk that loved the Lord, and among whom were folk that were against him and um, ultimately betrayed him. Verse 20. When, Mary, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, um, you may have had arrived that's a wrong translation it's uh, imperfect, he was coming he hadn't got there it seems as if he stopped outside Bethany perhaps he had intelligence that the Jews were there oh there's all these mourners from Jerusalem it wasn't time yet he wasn't, he wasn't wanting to precipitate the final crisis it seems so he was away he was still coming so Martha went out to meet him later on he calls Mary and she goes out to meet him but his plan you might think this is is interesting and that was a wise thing for Jesus to do you would say but the father overruled him and all the Jews followed Mary out and it was game on we'll come to that later but anyway he hadn't yet reached Bethany he was coming Okay. so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming she went to meet him Mary remember they're surrounded by mourners what do you think Martha was doing with a household full of Jewish mourners wailing and creating a hullabaloo Probably, she was probably busy. Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. And what was Mary doing? <laughs> well, she was sitting down again. Um, that's what it says. Um, Martha heard that Jesus arrived. She went to meet him. Gone. And she left Mary. Mary, meanwhile, stayed sitting at home. Now, look. This is speculation, it's it's not important. But do you think that Mary was sitting out in the courtyard in her grief? Because when we read about Mary, she's overcome with grief. She just falls in a bundle at Jesus' feet. That place that she loved to find, his feet. She falls in a heap. And so do you think that she was sitting with a courtyard full of all the mourners around her? Perhaps she was sitting inside somewhere quietly, overcome with the grief that we see later in the chapter it just 
So you can imagine. Martha was off, and she left her behind. Uh, so the news had come, Jesus on his way, Martha's out there, Mary was inside in a quiet room somewhere, sitting down, inconsolable. Her brother, gone. Uh, I suggest to you we can read like that quite fairly. Master, if only you'd been here, then my brother wouldn't have died. Now, uh, remember what we said about the chronology? There's no suggestion that she was upbraiding him for the delay in his arrival. Four days between sending a messenger and Jesus being here. But on the day that the messenger was sent, Lazarus died already. So it wasn't that very, but she just knew that if Jesus had been in the house, he would have healed him. Not a complaint against him. Why didn't you come earlier? Uh, we, we shouldn't read it like that. Lazarus was gone that very morning, or that very day at some stage, while the messenger was on, on the journey. There's no suggestion that had he come quicker, he would still be alive. But it was just a statement of fact. Martha knew the Lord. She believed him. She trusted him. If you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. But listen to this. Um, But even now, but even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask him for. It was too great a thing she wanted to ask. So she, she couldn't mention it. Please, will you? But I know that even now God will grant you whatever you ask him for. And Jesus engages with her. Um, Let's listen. Your brother will rise again, replied Jesus. I know he'll rise again, said Martha, in the resurrection on the last day. She wanted to be careful. She wanted to get it really clear. Everyone's going to rise again on the resurrection, the last day. It was a piece of doctrine to her. It was a a bit of fact. She had faith. But faith needs to be transformed. You know, one of the most wonderful things is that the faith that you start with is very unlike the faith that you end up with. That was my, that's what I believed and lived then. But I've learned so much more now. I've learned so much more how to follow Jesus. I've learned so much more about what he is and what I must be and what I shouldn't be. So that my faith today is very different from the faith of the lad who first heard about the God of gods. Martha's face was faith was strong. Lord, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. I know you can do everything. God will give you whatever you want. But she still hadn't yet. Why? She hadn't yet. Forget what she hadn't done. Jesus was wanting to take that faith and center it in Him. See, we get hung up on doctrine. She she knew the doctrine. I know that he'll rise again on the last day. And Jesus had something to say about that. Nothing wrong with that. But that's not the purpose of faith. It's not the object of faith. Here's what he said. He said, it's me. Hello. And he says that to us. Actually, it's me. We get hung up on the work of the church, this and the work of the gospel, that. And he says, actually, hello. It's I. You're supposed to be investing your life in me. Here's what he says to, to Martha. Your brother, I know, verse 24, he'll rise again, said Martha, in the resurrection on the last day. 
I am the resurrection. Resurrection isn't a fact, it's an act of his person. Why? Because he's the life. Life isn't something general, it's him. He's life. You and I have life because he has life. He's the word. All things were created by him. And we, we're humans, we get so religious, we get hung up on, we get sidetracked, we get um, preoccupied as a word. We get preoccupied with matters of belief and doctrine and theology. Uh, and all those things are supposed to be an embodiment of him. She knew all about the resurrection. Hello, Martha. Knock, knock. I'm the resurrection. It's not just something that happens it's an act of my person because I'm the life life isn't just something that happens on earth it's inner because it comes from me I'm the life this eternal one is dealing with you and he's dealing with me he's calling us not into religious orthodoxy he's calling us into uh, intimacy with him and so he reveals to Martha had she and she's going to have eyes to see that this abstract notion that you have correctly believed in she loved the truth and she was a, she had strong faith it just wasn't very spiritual and he was able to, and he is able to take our lack he's able to take the um, smoking flax and fan it and bring it make it burn bright and incandescent uh, you know it says the smoking flax will he not quench uh, he's able to take the smoking thing that's sort of a bit of fire and a lot of fluff and fan it and make it incandescent and bright and able to take what we have and cause us to change and convert us and make us like Martha more spiritual so that we realise ah father I thought it was about right and wrong and this doctrine and that doctrine and all the time it was about you that you desire that I should give myself to you yeah the father seeketh such to worship him Men and women who will say, there is nothing on earth except him that's important. Uh, he's the first thing. Uh, in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. He says, seek ye first the rule of God. What, his rule? Yes, seek it. His presence, his rule, his will, his fatherhood. Through the agency of his king, Jesus that's what our lives to be taken up with first and everything else held, not denied us but held in a secondary place in relation to the central thing uh, and so I just think it's so lovely dear old Martha, absolutely tough as nails I don't mean tough, hard but just, she, had, she didn't fall in a heap she wanted to get this thing dealt with she was she had the same consciousness as, as her sister later on um, if you'd been here he wouldn't have died and she had a fix and she was working to I'm not just going to give in to this grief I'm not just going to fall in a heap at his feet I've got a solution she had a more masculine soul and Martha who completely submitted to the emotional moment she's on the, on the ground 
Um, that's it. Couldn't see past it. Completely absorbed. Um, there we are. Uh, I am the resurrection. Anyone who believes. Here's what he said I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even if they die. If we believe on him, if we live to him alive, then when we lose our bodies, we'll keep living to him. Even though you're dead, you'll live. You just keep living the same thing. And anyone who lives and believes in me will never, ever die. You'll just keep on living unto me. Life is all about me. Are you listening yet, Martha? I mean, not that he, not that he, she had not listened. She just hadn't emerged into these things. So we can say to ourselves, are we listening? Life for you and me, he intends, should be about him. So look, against the incessant clamour of the spirit of the age, well you must be having this, or you must be doing this, or you must be achieving this, or experiencing this. And it says, these are the things that make up life. These are the things that will give you happiness. Against that clamour, we are invited, nay, commanded, to listen to the voice of Jesus and say, it's I. I am the life. I am the resurrection. And we can have our lives lived out as spiritual lives. Lives that are for him, pleasing to him, contrary to the spirit of this age. And we'll, ha- and we'll have to learn to do that. We'll have to recognize the impetuses that come and assail our heart and our minds and say, is that from the Father or is that the spirit of this age? And we'll, we'll learn as we go. Here's an interesting verse from 1 John, the, the first epistle of John at the end of the Bible. Um, All that is in the world is not of the Father. So don't get too intent on making uh, worldly goals your aim. All that's in the world is not of the Father. That's astonishing. That's an astonishing statement. Uh, hallelujah. He loves us. But he, and he wants us to be converted. So that our lives become like his. His life was for, for the Father. Our lives are to be for him. Live to him now. I, whether we've got a body or not, nothing changes. We keep living for him. That was the purpose. Oh, that was the import of that verse. I am the resurrection. Anyone who believes in me will live. Anyone who lives and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Master. Don't know what it means. Perhaps fully, yet. Yes, Master. This is what I've come to believe, that you're the King, the Messiah, the Son of God. That's his special agent, the one who was to come into the world. With these words, Martha went back and called her sister Mary. The teacher's come, she said to her secretly, and he's asking for you. So she went back and found Mary um, with a message, secretly. Secretly? Privately? What's going on? Well, remember I, my, our speculation that they were surrounded by all these Judeans in their house, all weeping and wailing, and among them, ones who had it in for the king. So let's not precipitate a confrontation. Martha, shh, shh, go, he's calling for you. But it didn't work. The father overruled. 
when she heard that she got up quickly and went to him she got up quickly and went to him she was off the mark Jesus hadn't yet gotten to the village he was still in the place where Martha had met him the Judeans who were in the house with Mary consoling her saw her get up quickly and go out they guessed that she was going to the tomb to weep there and they followed her so when Mary came to where Jesus was she saw him and fell down at his feet Master if only you'd been there my brother wouldn't have died when Jesus saw her crying and the Judeans who had come with her crying he was deeply stirred in his spirit and he troubled himself huge amounts of conjecture as to what that might mean can I give you one version uh, important perhaps to note that he was what's the word he was deeply stirred in his spirit the word is like a shudder he shuddered in his spirit it's a bit like what happened when he was in the presence of Judas that uh, getting ready to betray him it was a, something in his spirit moved proposal uh, indignation that he could see that he was responding um, to the in sympathy to these uh, girls, women, Martha and Mary, who had lost their their brother, his friend. He was about to do the greatest sign, which is beyond the um, resurrection in Galilee, which they probably would have heard about. There were resurrections in Galilee. We've read of one or two, we read of the widow of Nain, but there were others. But this guy was decomposing. Four days, Martha said, by this time he stinketh. It's it's a good phrase that, isn't it? By this time he stinketh. Uh, Which, that's the authorised version. Uh, And so the suggestion is that the shudder in his spirit was indignation. They were going to take this good work, this preeminent good work, and use it to bring about his assassination. So he was going to pay with his life for this good thing. In raising Lazarus, it was going to result in his death. We can't have somebody walking around who is proving us wrong, um, proving that he's from God, when in fact remember that awful motive that Jesus attributed to them see this is the heir let us kill him and then the inheritance shall be ours it's the most extraordinary thing don't you think Jesus accuses them and he points out that that spirit is present in the rulers see this is the heir come let us kill him and then the inheritance will be ours they knew ultimately that those Jews there was a proportion that knew what they were doing and Jesus shuddered in indignation that they were going to use this great work to bring about his death um, the next word is physical he, he was deeply stirred in the spirit and he troubled himself shook himself uh, it's a physical reference that one 
Where have you laid him? He asked. Master, they said, come and see. Jesus burst into tears. So he wept with them in sympathy. Look, said the Judeans, see how much he loved him? Well, yes, some of them said. Listen to this snideness. But he opened the eyes of the blind man, didn't he? Couldn't he have done something to stop this fellow from dying? And that's not, Jesus doesn't uh, read that as a neutral. That's an attack. Uh, Jesus was once again deeply troubled within himself. Another wave of indignation in his spirit. Uh, The accusation that he wasn't who he said he was. Oh, he says he's from God and people make this up, but if you could do that for the blind man, couldn't you do something for him? He's not really what he says he is. It seems that Jesus heard it like that. Some people try to construe that as being pretty neutral. But when Jesus heard it, he was troubled again. Another wave of indignation in his spirit. He went to the tomb. It was a cave. The stone was placed in front of it. Keep the animals out. Take the stone away, said Jesus. But Master, Martha said, the dead man's sister, there'll be a smell. It's the fourth day already. And the suggestion is that that wasn't just um, prediction, but she'd been in there to um, visit the body and put ointment in there. And she already smelt it. Uh, yes, by this stage he stinketh. Uh, it's, I know. It's, good, it's a good phrase. Uh, verse 40. The Lord Jesus said, Didn't I tell you, said Jesus, that if you believed, you would see God's glory? Um, here's a little... Can I just say this as an aside? It seems to me to be a very precious thing. He wasn't making Lazarus's resurrection contingent on Martha's belief. Didn't I say to you that if you believe, you would see God's glory? When did he say that? Can you remember? Verse 4. When, the, when Jesus got the message, he said, This illness won't lead to death. It's all about the glory of God. The Son of God will be glorified through it. The glory of God. You'll see God's glory. The messengers took the message back. Of course. Message out, message in. Didn't I say to you, Martha, that if you believe, you'd see the glory of God. Now, heretofore, most of what she'd seen, like any religious Jew, was the the moral rectitude um, that God required, the proper religious practice that God had ordained, and some improper stuff that he hadn't ordained, ordained. But she hadn't seen the glory of God for it to be open to her. Didn't I say that if you believed you'd see the glory of God, this one whom you've in a sense worshipped ignorantly you'll see him you'll see his glory, it'll be revealed to you so it wasn't that it wasn't going to happen, it's just that without faith, she wouldn't have seen God's glory in it, she'd just have got a, a brother back does that make sense? so, like the bloke with the, black, with the eyes who were blind everyone saw it, but only a few saw in it the glory of God because the action was mixed with faith in their hearts 
Is that right? Mm. So to other people, it was just a trick. Well, I can't really explain it, but okay, he can see. But they didn't see through the sign because it was mixed with faith in their hearts. And, oh God, you're wonderful. What hast thou done? They didn't see the glory of God. So it wasn't that Lazarus' resurrection was contingent on Martha's faith. It was Martha seeing through the resurrection to the glory of God was contingent on her faith. Uh, The disciples were prepared for it. They were going to see God's glory. Their hearts would be prepared. Uh, But the onlookers... They had an opportunity too. We've come very quickly to it. And then we'll have to stop. Take away the stone. Didn't I tell you that if you believed you'd see God's glory? So they took the stone away. Jesus lifted up his eyes. Thank you, Father, he said, for hearing me. I know you always hear me, but I've said this because of the crowds standing around so that they may believe that you sent me. He was still working to bring them to faith. They'd seen it all. It had all been un- and his works had been undermined. Oh, he's a Sabbath breaker. He's the devil. He's got a devil in him. He was still working for them. And he's, it's a bit like Mount Carmel. Um, send the fire. Um, remember, remember Mount Carmel? Was it Elijah and the prophets of Baal? And here was Elijah, and they danced around, and, they, and their God didn't send fire to that altar. And, but God did send fire to Elijah's altar. And it's a bit like that a challenge, a test. So he was here before anything had been done. He prayed out loud in front of all of them so that they should see the glory of God. What does he say? So that they should. He didn't say that. So that they should. What's the phrase? Believe that you sent me. Thank you. I've said this because of the crowd standing around so that they may believe that you sent me. It was, it was all on. Uh, and he cried with a loud voice. Lazarus! Come forth! What does it say in this version? Uh... Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out. He was tied up, and hand and foot with strips of linen, and his face was wrapped in a napkin. Untie him, said Jesus. He'd done the resurrecting. You guys can do some work now. Untie him, and set him free. Let him loose so he can move freely. Um, so they participated. They did their bit. Um, Jesus had raised him. The result of all this was that several of the Judeans who had come to Mary and who had seen what he had done believed in him. It's the old story, isn't it? That when he manifests the glory of God there's a double reaction. Some believe and but some of them went off to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. They were being the stooges of the Pharisees. Um, from there, we enter the final phases of the Lord's earthly ministry as they go about to assassinate him by a judicial ruse. Hmm. Isn't that a marvellous thing? That after all they'd done to him, he was still working so that they should believe in him. Mm-hmm. The disciples, 
that they should see the glory of God in it. And Martha, that she should see the glory of God. I am the resurrection. Just as Jesus was always doing that, wasn't he? Isn't that what he said to the woman at the well? If you knew the gift of God and who it was that spoke you would have asked of him. He would have given thee living water. And then he goes on to say, the water that I give. If you drink of the water that I give, you will never thirst again. It's me. It is I. Remember chapter 6? He was talking about the bread of heaven. And then he switches it. I'm the bread of life. It's me you need. <laughs> it's him. And it's no different today. Um, it's him we need. Hallelujah. And he labors to cause us to have faith in him. Not faith in orthodoxy. Not um, observance of this pattern or that pattern all those things in their place as and when they may or may not be useful but the key issue is that we should be his and have faith in him and be fixed on him and draw life from him never die live to him now live to him when the body falls into ground uh, let's pray oh father Lord, uh, we, Lord, being privileged to read these things in your word and to hear them, as it were, from your lips, will grant that we should be the right successors to the likes of Martha, who came to faith in you and who lived for God, who lived for Jesus, the right successors to those early Christians who, coming to have faith in Jesus, let their lives go they were torn apart by lions they were crucified they didn't stop living they were faithful to Jesus as they lived and they were faithful to Jesus beyond as it were the grave oh Lord grant that we should be proper successors living Lord lights that men may see our good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven and Lord when it comes time for us to fall into the ground Lord, that we should continue to be faithful to you. Ah, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Please help us understand. Please make us live um, honouring to you. Amen. 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 Amen.